Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. You are now entering a critical thinking zone. Thinking caps are required beyond this point. From deep behind enemy lines, deep in the heart of the Midwest, it's your host, Andrew Coppins. And it's time for Critical Thinking. Welcome into Critical Thinking. It is Monday, August 8th, that's 8-8-22 on the calendar. Hope everybody had a great weekend or tried to as much as humanly possible. Um, the uh, the breaking news out of the Oni household this weekend, Pat. Um, um, the 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 wife um, got the vid. Correct. Not not yeah. She got the the, the Rona. Um, the Rona the Rona is officially in in my house at the moment. My Sharona. Somebody save me. My Sharona. My Sharona. Is that what the 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 Sharona you're talking about? It, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Save me, save me, please save me. Sleep in another room. <laughs> <laughs> now that all having been said, hopefully uh, everybody is healthy and uh, gets healthy in the the Oni household quick as a whistle, if you will. Uh, hope, hopefully all that goes well. Um, so send your prayers, your well wishes over to the Oni household. Uh, they'll need them over the next couple of days. Uh, hopefully that is all um, that we'll need them for. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll be prepared uh, to do whatever we need to do for the show this week. Um, but um, also breaking news, Pat. Um, Kamala Harris apparently knows how to get to the Senate. She, she does? Yeah, because uh, she rushed there on Sunday night, which, by the way, Pat, all good re- legislation passes over a weekend. All the stuff that will be super fantastic, expialidocious for the American people passes on a Sunday night. Um, Yes, uh, the, the, the weird redheaded kid in the back. Did she run there? Um, well, she did that thing because 
doing that thing uh-huh. um, is important for the American people to show that being able to do things, big things, bigly, is super important because minority kids need to know that um, they're um, as smart as white kids. And, and, and doing your duty um, and to what your you country. do. And, and, and for what you're doing. In the moment. In, in the moment of your duty, yeah. Will always be about history. And, and doing what you do. That thing you do. Yeah. Because I, I remember seeing the uh, the breaking news of where she was running running to the Capitol. I'm like, running? She, she's running in, in heels? Like, really? That, that She does that? That would be interesting. Well, I wonder if she was laughing the entire time while she was get, trying to get there, too. Because she has that nervous tick. Yeah. Uh. What? Y- yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Was she also uh, still a woman wearing a blue suit and a mask? Oh, because I thought for a second that maybe she was the uh, <clears throat> devil with a blue dress on. Um, only reason why I say that, Pat, and I'll let you marinate on that, uh-huh. is um, what passed last night is the <clears throat> Inflation Reduction Act. Now, I have a very simple economic question for you, Pat. When there's an issue of inflation, it is usually an issue of what? Too much money in supply, right? Versus the demand to use it. Am I correct in that? Yes, yes. You you would be correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. So being as I am correct in that assumption, um, there's only one way in which you get out of inflation. And it's for the government to take action to restrict the money supply, correct? Uh, correct. Okay. So, when we talk about the money supply, we are talking about it going from the people. So, it is a circle, okay? And we've talked about this time and time again. What modern monetary theory wants us to believe is that the circle must start and end with the government, Right? However, in our current system, it is still the consumer in which that monetary supply starts and ends with, right? The government issues a currency, but that money supply only circulates because of the consumer. It starts and ends with that consumer. So you, they issue currency, you have a wage, you decide to spend it how you spend it, right? Or save it how you save it. And when we, as buyers, consumers, savers, spenders, however you want to stimulate or destimulate the economy, 
have the effect of constricting or opening the floodgates of the monetary supply that exists. But we can only do so based off of our consumer spending and our um, ability to save. There's another half of this because we are grabbing what is nowadays almost an infinite monetary supply at this point. They've just been printing money hand over fist to attempt to stave off inflation and to stave off uh, the complete and utter shutdown of our economy for almost two months, two years ago at this point. Hashtag modern monetary theory. Right. Now, what you do also notice, Pat, is that the, the government has been talking incessantly about the full employment. Because what, it, what also comes with the thought of modern monetary theory being that debt and monetary supply don't matter as long as full employment has been reached. Because once you reach full employment, wages, right, wage growth can be tamped down by constricting or playing with the monetary supply. Right, so that's a long, long explanation. But I have a simple question to that long explanation. When you are trying to fight inflation, um, is that an issue of the consumer or the government monetary supply? I'm sorry, repeat the question. So if we are encountering inflation, is the inflation a monetary supply issue or a consumer spending issue? Uh, wouldn't that be a monetary supply issue? Correct. Yeah. Now, what are you attempting to do with that monetary supply? You are attempting to stimulate people into spending money, right? Correct. Right. That was what we've been doing over the past two years. However... We have seen the people do what? Start Pocket to constrict the their spending. Right. Um, and because we've seen consumer prices going up 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 plus percent, especially gas and milk and eggs and um, the essentials, right? Right. Now their, their real wage growth has an issue. Because it's not real wage growth. You are artificially telling them, oh, well, you've, you're making 7% more. Well, right, but everything else costs 9% more. They're not actually gaining anything. They're losing their ability to spend and consume the way that you need to when you are flooding the market with money. So I have a very another very simple question for you, Pat. Is a solution to the flooding of money a, a proper solution to dealing with this? Raising taxes on everybody. Is that how you solve a monetary issue? A supply issue? Yes or no? 
Oh, sorry. I was muted. I, I said no. Why? Well, um, well, if if people are are constricting their their spending, and you continue to inflate the the monetary supply, it devalues the dollar. Correct. It devalues the dollar, and then you also look at the fact that if you raise taxes, you do what? You're also uh, restricting consumerism, people. right? Restricting the ability of people to do what? Spend buy, money, buy things, float the currency through the economy. Think about it as almost like a whirlpool, right? Right. You, you are the person stirring the drink. And at the bottom of that whirlpool and at the top of the whirlpool is the government because they're the ones right. that... um. They're, they're circulate them, give the money, pump. You are the person pumping the money through the economy. Mm. They're the only, the only thing that they have to do with this is how much they are, um, how much they're pumping into the supply, right? Right. So how much water they're putting into the the pool, if you will, and then how much they're billaging out on the backside, right? How much money right. are they willing to be able to loan out? How much money are they giving to the banks, right? All of that sort of stuff. That's why the Fed interest rate matters, right? Because it's the bank's ability to cheaply loan money to you, which also is the the backside, right? That's the billage, right? Um, you as the consumer have the ability to, to run the money through the economy, but it stops and starts with your ability to be able to or the government's ability to say yes or no to, to lending and blah, 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 blah. Um, so <clears throat> when you are uh, talking about an Inflation Reduction Act, Pat, what would be the thing that I would or that you would do to help reduce inflation? If you were if you were to create a Inflation Reduction Act, what would it look like? Well, let's see. If I were going to reduce inflation, um, one of the things I'm going to do is, um, first of all, stop spending money I don't have. Um, you know, I think I think that's going to be a big thing, at least from a government standpoint. Stop spending money that you don't have. Um, I'm also not going to restrict uh, consumerism and and consumers from being able to buy. Uh, things um, in any shape or form. That would also mean uh, let's not raise taxes. Um, and I, I would even probably even go as far as say, don't, don't touch the interest rates. Let the, let the market take care of itself. No, that's, that's fair enough. Um, now the argument for the inflation reduction act is that um what they're attempting to do is collect more money in the government to help with that spending problem, right? And how are they going to do that, Pat? How do you think the Inflation Reduction Act is going to collect more money? Raise interest rates and raise taxes. Mm. You mentioned raise taxes. How about this, though? The, the claim is that they're really not doing that because what they're doing is they're going to go after enforcement <clears throat> by hiring. Wait for this. Oh, oh yeah. Uh-huh. Um 
many more IRS audit agents. They're, they're spending hundreds of millions of dollars to do so. And we're going to have what? more IRS agents to be able to audit you tax cheats out there. And by the way, the left, uh, the left um, CPA group is hilarious on Twitter this weekend, trying to tell us about, well, if you just paid your fair share of taxes. No, my job is to play within the sandbox that I'm given, right? Right. It is the job of everybody, by the way, to play inside that sandbox. Um, and so if the IRS is vague about its rules, I, I've i always advocated for this. I am willing to pay what I should pay, even if I believe that taxes are theft, right? I believe taxation is theft. But I also realize that um, there are rules to the game right now. And so let me take advantage of the rules to that game as best as I possibly can. You mean just like everyone else does? Right. Exactly. Now, their argument is if we just get rid of the, the, the cheating, right, we'll, we'll increase the money in our coffers. And this, this bill that spends roughly six to eight hundred billion more dollars. That's right. An Inflation Reduction Act is spending... Six to eight hundred, depending on how you score this bill, billion with a B dollars. How do they how do they justify it? Well, you see, if we if we get these people to enforce and audit um, all these corporations and these high tax earners, right? These people, except for what do we know, Pat, about the inflation um, situation? What do we know about it? And what do we know about the enforcement of current IRS rules? Well, 95% of all audits right now, Pat, 95% happen with people that are earning well below $400,000 a year. Or married filing jointly, less than $400,000 a year. So the vast majority of your middle income, your poor people, which, by the way, the poor make up the vast majority of that 95% as well. So what did the Republicans attempt to do? Because they knew that this was likely just going to be a party line vote this weekend. They actually attempted to do a good thing in slowing this the impact of this bill down. They wanted to put a provision in this bill that... Um, these new IRS agents and the new audit rules and the new this could only be spent on and used to audit those making $400,000 a year or more. They wanted to put a rule in there to do what? To force the left to live by their own standards, right? They, they, they wanted to uh, make sure that the wealthy are paying their fair share, right? They literally were going to attempt to make the left eat their own words. Now, you would think the left would jump on board with that, right, Pat? Yeah, especially, you know, the, the people like uh, Bernie Sanders. Pay your fair share. Nope. Every single one of them voted against it. Every one of them voted against that amendment. Uh, I'm assuming including people like Bernie Sanders, too. Yep. Bernie Sanders, Kirsten Cinema, Joe mm -hmm. Manchin. Mm -hmm. But more importantly... 
what does this bill do in its tax provisions, right? What does it do? It actually gives us a tax on everybody, literally everybody, because it taxes the people who provide and make the things that we consume. Again, we are targeting price inflation, right? The inflation of gas prices, the inflation of uh, meat and poultry and uh, eggs and dairy, or gas, you know, all the stuff that that has gone bat nuts crazy over the past couple of years, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing, right? But we're going to raise taxes on the people that that you consume all the things from. Where do you th- what do you think is going to happen to the prices of those things as they get taxed more, Pat? Is it their job to just eat that tax money and and, and not pass it on? No. Unless you're Costco and you're never raising the price of your hot dog and a soda or your um or your rotisserie chicken, right? Unless you're Costco and those things. But what does Costco do to allow themselves to be able to afford that $4.99 cost of a rotisserie chicken or that $1.50, you know, uh, hot dog and a soda? Does that have to do with having a membership? Well, it's um, one, it's a membership, but two, it's being able to adjust the pricing of everything else to mm-hmm. to justify that, right? So, right. you know, the, the price of your... Um, your your whatever that you buy there, the, the bulk item that you're going to buy creeps up by 50 cents, right? Do you notice the 50 cents or do you notice the 25 cents or the whatever on that item or the 10 cents that it goes up? No, most people don't. But if you did that all day, every day, right? If you had 10 cents extra all day, every day for a year, does that pay for that rotisserie chicken price? Yes, Right. On a store-by-store basis, absolutely it does. But that happens because of inflation. So what are they going to do when the taxes on themselves, on the people who, in capitalism, right? Because capitalism is about who has capital. It is not about the free exchange of goods and services for money or other goods and services, right? Capitalism is about who holds capital how they spend that capital, how you consume that capital. There's a difference between capitalism and free market economics. And the difference is about how how you look at the economy. One looks at it as an exchange and the other looks at it as a wealth accumulation. What do you think those people who need to accumulate the wealth to be able to distribute the goods and services amongst the people are going to do when they restrict their monetary supply. They're not going to exchange that capital. They're going to either exactly not exchange or change or run that capital through the economy, which is bad, or they're going to continue to do what? Raise prices. As our friends at Good Morning Liberty pointed out last night, the Senate just passed a bill that raises taxes on the people that you buy all your stuff from and then told everybody it's going to reduce price inflation. 
That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. They just peed on our leg and told us it's raining. Now, the other part of this, Pat. Um, speaking of peeing on my leg and tell me it's raining. Oh, the 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 new people that we're gonna hire to an agency, by the way, Pat, that has wait for this over seventy eight thousand employees currently. They need more audit control. Maybe that's a separate subject for a separate day. But they need more employees. And and we're supposed to trust that these people are definitely not politically going to be motivated from an administration that was involved in the political motivations and political um, enforcement of IRS rules and regulations. The last time this person, <clears throat> Joseph Marionette Biden, was um, somewhere near and around power, namely uh, the vice president of the United States of America. Um, Lois Lerner ring a bell to anybody? Does Lois Lerner ring a bell? Oh, by the way, still receiving a full pension from the United States of America, <clears throat> a.k.a. the taxpayer, for targeting. Now, I will say this, Pat. As time has gone on, it I don't necessarily know that it was total political motivation that that put this enforcement in during the the Obama administration. What I do think is that it was a blinding to keywords that they needed to focus in on. Do I think that it was nefarious? I don't know that anybody was able to prove that. What I do know is that it did only target one side. I don't necessarily know that it was nefarious because it was about how they used the term exclusive to 501c4 organizations, right? Right. Okay, so I'd, I'm going to try to critically think through that. I don't necessarily know that it was nefarious, a plot, if you will, but it sure as hell should never have been one-sided. And I think we could all agree upon that. The IRS should never be a weapon in a political battle. And what was going on is the denial of 501c4 to one side while the other side did it. And why does 501c4 matter? Because it is about the anonymizing of your donations. You do not have to report whom is donating to that organization. And they, for a long time, decided to um, loosely interpret exclusive. And suddenly... It was 912, Patriot, blah, 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 all these other keywords, right? That exclusively went one direction. Now, you can make the argument that you look at the donations of the people in the, the Cincinnati IRS office, you look at the donations of the IRS employees, period, and you have to wonder if there was some political motivation or at least blinding to how they were um, trying to search through these, these organizations, right? Does that mean it was a gigantic plot from the top up or top down or the bottom up? Not necessarily. I don't think we've ever been able to prove that. 
And, and the key here is you have to prove it. You can talk conspiracy all you want, but you have to be able to prove the conspiracy. You have to. I don't think they Which I don't did. know that we yet. I don't know that we actually investigated it enough. Mm, I think we did. I really did do. We? Um, we investigated to the point that we could. The only other way to do that would have to have been able to have brought in charges. In my view. Which, I mean, you can't do without any kind of proof, right? Right. And did we do that? We went, We had hearing after hearing after hearing after hearing in both houses, right? Both chambers of, of our uh, government, our legislative oversight, right? Because they, the legislative bodies, the Senate and the Congress, have oversight over the IRS. The IRS is part of what branch of the government? The executive branch. Now, I would suggest... Hiring any more agents in the IRS is bad. But am I going to sit here and say, oh, bleep, here comes politically motivated? It's possible, but we're not we're not talking about hiring, what, 9,000 more, right? What's the number they're talking about hiring? It's like 100, something like that. Something I... I don't know. I don't know I what just, the number is. I fail to understand how this is a good thing on any level. Because, again, it's how you're constricting, what you're doing. How they All this Inflation Reduction Act tells me is that we have a president and a group of people around him that don't know their hole from a head in the uh, ground. And yes, I, I said that backwards on purpose. They wouldn't know their head from a hole in the ground is the reference. But yes, they wouldn't know a head from a hole in the ground. Um, they wouldn't, they don't know how modern monetary theory is supposed to even work. And if they do, they're doing it all wrong. Right? Because for modern monetary theory to work, we're supposed to get to full employment and then use the monetary supply to do what? Tamp down real wage inflation. Because it, that is also a problem, right? If we inflate wages so fast that uh, people begin to literally just tornado the, the monetary supply, if you will, that's also a problem. We have to find the balance. And modern monetary theory says the balance is government spends ass tons of money and it can do so as long as full employment is there because it will control wage growth. The, the flip side of that is if you have full employment and you have that wage inflation, you're supposed to be able to do what? It, it, you know, and, and we're not do we we've we pre did the second part of that equation, right? We spent all the money that we possibly could through the pandemic and what did we spend? Six, eight trillion dollars at this point? Somewhere in there I've lost count. Right? So yeah. we spent all of that money. Right? We spent it all. We've put it all into the economy. And the theory is that now that we've got you know full employment, wage growth, real wage growth, but it's not because of inflation, but we are supposed to, right? The wages are actually physically going up because people need to pay more to attract in, uh, employees. 
There's not enough unemployment for the economy to to, to be able to stimulate itself um, in that way. So the theory should work, right? We've already pre-spent all of this money. So the theory should be as we can as we can see the the wages going up, we're constricting the money supply as well. Except for we're not. That's not happening. We're not balancing the economy out. None of it is working. None of modern monetary theory is working in practice. We have a lot more to get into um, in this program, but I want people to understand this. This Inflation Reduction Act doesn't do a damn thing to reduce inflation. What it does do is attempt to transition our economy. This is a green, this is the Green New Deal backdoored. That's what this is. Not to mention, uh, couldn't you make the argument that this would make inflation worse? Well, and I'm about to get into that because, okay, so let's say you disagree with me on the taxing of everybody, right? This this bill won't tax everybody except for it taxes the people who pass it on to you. Even if you <clears throat> don't pay directly, you are indirectly paying the taxes of those people who are directly paying those taxes. Now, the other flip side of this, Pat, um is this um, spending to transition the economy in terms of our resources, if you will, right? Our energy policy. And I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this, but I will say this. Have we learned nothing from our friends in Europe? Have we learned nothing from them at all? Because we are literally staring our future in our in the faces. We are literally staring at our future in Europe. Our friends are telling us, dude, don't do this. How do we know that? Because what did Europe decide? They were going to outsource their gas and their natural energy production, right? They were going to do that by transitioning to <clears throat> quote unquote renewable energy sources, wind and solar. The problem with wind and solar production is that it's really dirty on the backside and on the front side. It's dirty in production of the panels, it's dirty in production of the wind uh, turbines, and it's really dirty in how you gather the energy at the end of it. Now, does it produce electricity? Absolutely. But as we see with solar panels not being recycled properly, we have issues with water qualities and health and all that under other goodness. But that is not my main point. My main point with this pad is what is happening in Germany and France right now? Does anybody is anybody paying attention in our government? Is anybody paying attention in our media? Is anybody paying the hell attention? Because if you were, you would know this. France was at one point in time getting 30% of its energy production from where? Take a, take a wild guess, Pat. Energy production. Um, I'm going to guess it's, it, 
it's somewhat tied to Germany, which is also somewhat tied to Ukraine. Yes, um, it was getting thirty percent of all of its energy. Um, what is uh, what is the uh, the the fine folks in Russia? What have they done? They've reduced that production by seventy percent. Right. So seventy percent right. of your thirty percent of your energy production is gone. Now, right. what is France's response to this, Pat? What is Germany's response to this? As we're heading into colder months rather than warmer months going forward, mm-hmm. France has upped its production of nuclear energy. And they've actually been one of the people who get this the most. This is the most stable, least troublesome um, in terms of uh, pollution. They've had to ramp it up, but they can't ramp it up fast enough. They are preparing for cold shelters. They are preparing for the rationing of heat this winter. Um, In Germany, right now, the presidential palace has no electricity every night. It goes dark every night. Every single night. They, um, in Hamburg, are going to be rationing care or rationing um, heat this winter. Uh, They're going to pool people together at night uh, to um, make sure that they can reduce their consumption. Why? Because unlike France, Germany has been decommissioning all their nuclear power plants. Now, what has the German chancellor done? He has stopped the three... <clears throat> the three ones that are not completely decommissioned, he has stopped their decommissioning and he's trying to turn them back on in the hopes that they can avoid all of this, this craziness. But it turns out that going completely solar, completely uh, renewable energy, when renewable energy is not one, renewable, and not number two, reliable at this point in time, is really bad energy policy, is really bad for the people. We are about to face, if we don't wake up here in America, we are about to face not a nuclear winter. We are about to face starvation like we have never seen. We are about to face, how shall I put this? People literally freezing to death like we have never seen before. We are about to see things that make the Great Depression and the, the, the stories that our grandparents or great-grandparents and some of the people that are listening cases told you. We're about to, to hear those or feel those things probably by about a magnitude of 10. And our government, instead of leaning away from that destruction, is leaning into the destruction. Leaning into it, spending us right in to the energy ditch. Do I have a problem if you, as an individual household, want to go renewable and off the grid? No, I don't have a problem with that. I don't care about that. But the suggestion that our economy and that our world can handle going solar, going wind farm everywhere. Go, no, it is not reliable. It's not renewable and it's not good for the earth long term. We do not have 
an infinite supply of lithium. We do not have an infinite supply of this, an infinite supply of that. Which, by the way, Pat, did you know your solar panel is probably only good for 10 years? In which case, then you have to renew that non-renewable pieces to the puzzle every 10 years. Did you ever wonder why why do we have to have an electric vehicle, Pat, instead of a solar-powered vehicle? Why? Because solar power is so inefficient and so inconsistent that it can't power a vehicle as it's driving. It can't produce Mind enough you, power to replace what is being consumed by the vehicle. Mind you, the expense of the parts for whether it's your solar power for your home or, you know, investing in an electric vehicle or, or even trying to go even to like a solar powered vehicle, but that, that all costs money. But that you we see, don't Pat, have. if we were to just take this money and transition it over 10 years, it will totally pay for itself in the savings to the consumer. No, 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 it will not. No, it will not, because it's going to cost you $65,000 to buy an EV now, right? What does it cost you to to refill that EV at home, right? It, it's an eight-hour charge using electricity. It, what we have not figured out, and I don't understand this, because these people should be able to figure this out, is that we have an ancient electrical grid. We have an ancient um energy grid period here in america we should be focusing on modernizing that grid making it efficient and using sources of energy that are number one abundant number two actually renewable and number three um focus in on a we can do a little bit of everything we're not doing that we're just going all in and then all out on certain things. Our government is picking the winners and losers here. And do you understand who the winners are and who the losers are? It ain't what the GOP is telling you, and it's sure as hell not what the Democrats are telling you. The winners here are the wealthy energy producers yes the current energy producers why because they're going to be subsidized to all hell for making this transition and then they're going to be able to bend your ass over a barrel on the backside of this you my friends you me pat we are the ones that will lose we are the losers not because, well, we didn't take advantage of the subsidies and we didn't take advantage of this or take advantage of that. Not because of that. But because we are the end product. We are the end of the line to their production. These people don't care about what happens to you because you are going to consume, you are going to pay, you are going to do what you can do, right? You are going to do everything you can do to get that energy, to consume, consume, consume as much of the energy as possible for all your creature comforts, for all your homes, for heating your home, for um, you know, being able to drive, to do this, to do that, right? You're going to do it. And at the end of the day, they're going to be, be the ones making the dollar off of it. 
and they don't care that it will eventually collapse our entire energy ecosystem. They don't care about that because they'll be able to be the ones that benefit from that. Because then they're going to be able to transition backwards, right, into things that they were doing before. We need to demand a modernization of our energy grids and then an all-in policy on everything. We have to have nuclear. We have to have some production of wind and solar. We have to have some clean coal, natural gas. Why do we need to do that? We need to do that because we have to realize that certain things are not renewable. Certain things are not infinite. There are finite resources. It's the same thing that I would say about drilling for oil. Eventually, we will not be able to drill for any more oil. Yet, the politicians in D.C. are willing, through this bill, while the GOP opposed it, it's not an opposition because of the principle of, hang on a second, we're not doing the right thing for the American people here. Right? It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with the optics of, I don't want to tax you. Right? It has to do with the optics of, we're going to shove that inflationary crap right down Joe Biden's throat for the rest of the year so that we can get elected in November. And I want you to understand that. I hope you do. All right. So with that, Pat, uh, we got one more topic to talk about. But before we do, so how about we play a little bit of the B or not the B? Hit me with the headline, please. All righty, then. Wife compiles honey don't list of home improvement projects for non-handy husband. Wife compiles honey don't list of home improvement projects for non-handy husband. Is this the B or not the B? And what you're thinking about that, Andrew Coppins, folks. Tomorrow is the day in which the next episode of Reviving Liberty will drop. Uh, we generally drop those episodes every Tuesday. Um, if you haven't checked it out yet, you need to go to revivingliberty.com, first of all. Uh, second of all, you need to share it far and wide. Um, because if you're concerned about what this administration is doing to our country right now, if you're concerned about what our government in general is doing to our country right now, we need to take some matters into our own hands. And there is a way that we can do that without being violent, without being um, uh, antagonistic, if you will, I guess, uh, in, 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 in a sense. And I, and I mean that in, in a in a more or less evil way. This is a, a very righteous way to revive liberty within our country. This is a very um, active way to where we start with our own individual families, um, our, our, even ourselves, um, our communities. It is a manifesto of how we revive liberty in our own lives. And then we, we take that from the bottom to the top. So all you need to do is go to revivingliberty.com or wherever your favorite podcasts are played and then share it far and wide because it's things like this that mm-hmm. will bring liberty back to our country. And, and real quick, before I get into answering your your question um, and playing the game, I we totally misspoke. It's not eighty seven; it's eighty seven thousand. I, I yeah, it's early morning, folks. Eighty seven thousand new IRS agents. They are going to more than double 
the IRS. More than double the IRS. Like and I so said. Um, you think you're filling out your uh, IRS forms correctly or um, that TurboTax is doing your job for you? Nope. You the one going to get audited. Yep. Um, like I said, go to revivingliberty.com or wherever your favorite podcasts are played. Share it far and wide because that's how we stop crap like this. All right. So my answer to your question, is this the B or not the B, is going to be this is the Babylon B. Of course it is. Sure? It's a honey don't list. Are we you only sure? have honey do list. We know that. Oh, I mean, technically there's a lot on the honey don't list. It's don't do this. Don't do that. Stop it. Stop it. But 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 no, this is definitely the Babylon B. You would be correct. This is the Babylon B. Um <clears throat> Charlotte, North Carolina, after the latest bathroom faucet catastrophe, local wife Christy Talamano has compiled a sincere honey don't list of household tasks she would like her husband to never attempt. God bless him. He's a good man, said Mrs. Talamano of her husband, Joe. He can uh, crunch numbers with the best of them, but ask him to nail two boards together and someone's going to the hospital. Every time he gets his toolbox out, I call to make sure we're up to date on our life insurance. For weeks, Mrs. Talamano steadfastly encouraged her husband to call a plumber about a leaky faucet in the bathroom, assuring him it would in no way diminish her view of his manliness. Joe got the idea from watching our dads, and if he can't fix everything around the house, he doesn't deserve to be head of the house, explained Mrs. Talamano. I try to remind Joe that our dads aren't accountants, and that only reminds him of how expensive plumbers are. So, off he goes to wrench, and ten minutes later, boom! The faucet is impaled in the ceiling, and the water is spraying like a fire hydrant. It is incomprehensible how much change he can do with a hex wrench. Mrs. Talamano handed her husband an extensive list of household projects that were off limits, much to his charging a birdhouse. You don't think I can make a a birdhouse, said uh, exasperated Mr. Talamano. I get the light fixture deal. What with the multiple electrocutions? But, baby, give me a little credit. I can screw together a little measly birdhouse. At publishing time, doctors at the local emergency room were carefully removing a birdhouse uh, securely screwed into Mr. Talamano's tibia. By the way, uh, any idea why I, why I did this one today? No, Pat. Nope. Do you want to know? Mm, do I? I'm going to guess no. I mean, it, to 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 my credit, um, that's me. I am oh. not a handyman. Of the two of us, my wife is more of a handyman than I am. Yeah. I can do stuff, but yeah, that's me. Join join the join the team. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But I mean, for me, it's it's. I just get too frustrated with those types of projects and crap. Like things should just work. I shouldn't have to like, yeah. you know, 
mess around with crap and okay, here's the instructions. Wait, I follow the instructions. Why the hell is this not working? I'm done. And I don't have the mind to figure out why. Oh, I do. It's just super frustrating and super stupid. That's what I'm saying. I get not really frustrated with it as well. Not a power tool plus whatever kind of guy. No, sorry. No, sorry. By the way, if I were to get tools and which I I am slowly getting tools over time, I I, I prefer Dewalt. Just saying. Yeah, me too. Now, with that having been said, um, I want to talk about another topic real quick here because we've got probably about 10 minutes or so left on the show today. Um, And that topic is going to be this. Um, We have seen a number of places, Arizona specifically, Oklahoma is getting closer to this. We've seen a number of other places where um, bills have gone into legislative bodies and been passed in one or the other. Um, And then waiting on governor signatures and this, that, or the other thing. But this whole movement of fund students, not systems, Pat. um, So I have a question. Is funding students, not systems, enough? Are we doing the right thing by saying we need to fund students, not systems? Because I have a couple of questions when it comes to this, right? So what is what are we saying when we say fund students, not systems? Inevitably and arguably what we're trying to say is get your kids out of the system, right? Right. But how are we doing it? We're saying let's take that let's take the tax dollar, right? Let's take the the money that is supposed to be per pupil, right? Right. And then allow the the mom, the dad, the the parent, the 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 guardian, to be able to choose how to spend that money or where to spend it and how to spend it on the education of the child, right? So we're giving right. them quote unquote school choice, right? So I I have a question here. You're you're asking about if it's enough to fund students, not systems, right? That's my question. At the end in, of the day, to- at the end of the day, are we are we Giving the wrong solution to the wrong problem or the right solution to the wrong problem or the right solution to the right problem. That's really what I'm asking. So so I guess I guess my question is in regards to what? Like like what what is if we're funding if funding students is is not enough um in in regards to what problem though? I I, I guess is kind of what I'm trying mm-hmm. to clarify here. Right. And that is the crux of this matter for me. What is the actual problem that we're trying to solve for? I don't know the answer for this movement. For me, Pat, and then I'll get what your answer to this is. For me, the correct answer, the thing that we should be attempting to answer, the, the problem that we should be trying to solve is... Um, taking away indoctrination from education. Taking away the ability for people to use a educational system to indoctrinate children, right? Unless you are talking about getting an education that is religiously bound, that's different. That is a different kind of indoctrination, if you will, because it is an indoctrination. But it is a willful choice at that point. 
Yeah, you're not being forced to do that. You are not being compulsory put into that system to do that. That is a choice of your parents. That's a choice of yourself. That is a choice of a lot of different things. So that's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is right now, the student, right, has no choice by and large unless their parents are willing to fork out even more money than they've already put into the educational system vis-a-vis taxes. I think the fund students not systems um, idea actually doesn't solve the problem that we're looking for. I think it is a step in solving that problem. What say you? And do you think I have the right problem that we're trying to solve for? First of all, uh, potentially. Uh, given the fact that my wife is a school teacher, a public school teacher. You know, I I guess on some level I have to be careful how I answer this, but but at the same time, the way I I see things a little bit differently than she does on this. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> I do think it's a good step to start funding students, not systems. Do I think it's enough? I don't know that I have an answer to that. What I would say is this is a good step in terms of taking power away from school systems that are trying to inflict our kids with things like CRT um, and, and other indoctrination BS that I, I, I wouldn't want my kids touching with a 20-foot pole. Um, this allows me to have a say in like what, what kind of values um, I, I'm looking for in a school system. This allows me to it gives me it puts some power back in in my on my side of the corner. Whereas if I'm sending my kids to a public system now, I don't necessarily have a ton of power. Now I will say this: there are school systems within this country where parents have more power than they do in others. Um, I, I would say the power is a little bit different in the state of Utah than it is in say in the state of Illinois. Um, just just because the value system is set up a little differently. The communities are also very different. Right. Right. So, you know, that, that's why I would say that that doesn't mean that we aren't without a problem because we have plenty of people here trying to put CRT in our systems. Right. Right. Um, But at the end of the day, do you, is, is that enough? Is, is, are you still going to have, those that are going to to try to put these things that that do not belong in our schools period in our system whether or not we take that money away and and we we have it follow the student yeah you are so i don't think i don't think that that's going to necessarily solve the problem i think it will help the problem but it will not solve the problem yeah and where i come down on this and i and i want people to understand this because i have talked about this from the perspective of um how do i put this uh from the perspective of higher education right as as an example of modern monetary theory as an example of kind of the government picking winners and losers if you will so i look at it from that perspective but i also ask this question 
if we're funding students, not systems, the way that this is set up, right, is supposed to be what? That you block grant the money to the individual student and that money follows the student, right? What does that sound right. like to you, Pat? And when you break it down, when if you were good, if you were to go to college, mm. what would that what would that mechanism be? It would be the Pell Grant, right? Right. We're block granting you money, whether you or your parents or anybody else paid into that system, right? We're gonna block grant you the 15k, like it or whatever 16k it is now here in in Illinois, right? We're gonna block grant you that money. The problem that we have in higher education is not just indoctrination, it's not just leftism. It's also an economic problem. And it's an economic problem that we are seeing massive explosions in administrative salaries. We're seeing massive explosions in um, the cost of attendance that have nothing to do with the actual outcomes of your attendance of college, right? We have, we're seeing these crazy ass buildings go up that do nothing to help your education. We see them funding, you know, um, crazy other ventures that help them make even more money. But what we're also seeing is an inflation of your price to your education. And why do we see that? Because we know that that their ability to make money is tied to their ability to maximize your tuition cost. And if they know that your tuition cost will be subsidized by the government up to $15,000, what do you think that school is going to charge your student to go to school there? $15,000. Does it right. solve the problem that we're trying to do? My answer to that no. is no. No. No, it doesn't. All it does is change the, the financial dynamic. Now, the argument is, well, you also have the ability to send your child to the public school down the street or to do this or to do that. Okay, so how do you pool a home homeschooling resources together? How do you do that, right? How do you homeschool your child? Well, we're going to see all these online companies pop up to make money, right? We're going to see all of these online homeschool places start charging 15 grand. Does it actually change the dynamic? No, you haven't changed the power. You've changed the, you've, all you've done is changed how it's funded. You haven't changed the power structure at all. What we need is to be solving for the right problem. And what we need to do is eliminate those people who are the libs of TikTok, right? If we could just take libs of TikTok and eliminate those people from being able to teach your kids, would we solve the problem? Yes. We have an indoctrination problem, not a funding problem necessarily. Do I understand the idea, right? The idea is that you have to cut the purse strings for the power to go away. Yes. But are you actually cutting the purse strings? Or are you just shuffling the, the, the you know, chairs on the deck of the Titanic? I would argue that's what we're doing here. Because right. you're not getting to the root of the issue. The root of the issue is the indoctrination. The root of the issue is the power that they have over your kids. You can take the power back without having to worry about what funding is going into this. Do I understand that? Because I also look at it from this perspective. Is, is the answer just putting your child into a private education setting? No. 
many of the Catholic schools, many of the Christian schools, many of this, these types of parochial schools are what? Indoctrination centers. They are leftists as well. How do I know this? Because I know so many leftist teachers that teach at Catholic high schools and Catholic middle schools and Catholic K-8 schools. I know them. They're everywhere. So the only answer is to actually demand and put yourself or your students in positions or in schools or in homeschooling that teaches the basics, that teaches the math, the reading, the arithmetic, if you will, right? The, that doesn't teach you how to or what to think, but how to think. And you flood, flood to those places. You defund all of the indoctrination centers by physically moving your child, not monetarily moving your child. Because once you physically move them out of the system, right, physically moving them, and doing so intentionally into schools that are about how to think, not what to think, will you make change? Because why? Because all of those leftist teachers that do want to do that will never be hired by these schools, ever. And suddenly, uh-oh, I got to change careers, right, Pat? Suddenly, something has to change. And that something is those people no longer have jobs. That's the ultimate goal here. You have to take away their power by taking away their purse string, their job. Okay? That's how you do it. It, it is not about taking your $15,000 and moving it from one place to the other. It's not about that. It's about changing the dynamic of education. And I hope people understand that. We're, we're fixing, we're attempting to solve the right problem with the wrong solution, in my view. It is a step, right? And I understand that. You have to kind of decouple uh, the ability for that school to have comfortability, right? Yeah, you have to. We've talked about California's differences in how it um does its formula versus Illinois versus, you know, Utah and all this other stuff. I understand you have to decouple the comfortability, right? And that's kind of what this is doing. But does it matter if you're taking your money from one leftist organization and spending it in another leftist organization because you have been taught for your entire life, Pat, and my entire life, that a private education is about how to think, not what to think, except for the religious component, right? And that's not even what to think. That's how to think about your relationship with God and Jesus and in the Catholic Church and understanding the the faith, right? So I again I ask the question, does this solve that problem? Does it solve the problem of we have an we have an indoctrination education versus a critical thinking education? No. Not unless you make it happen. And too many of us are not willing to pay attention to what the real problem is. And they're going to see the prestige, right, of the name of one place over the other. Or they're going to see the, the ease 
of getting an education just down the street instead of sending your child five miles away, right? They're going to see that overdoing their homework and understanding the problems that exist. And all too often, oh, this school has a good score. Uh, so what? A good score for what, for whom, how? What does it matter? Well, they, they send all their kids to the Ivy League. Is that your goal? Is that the goal of the child, right? We, we're solving for the wrong problem with this. And, and I thought about this over the weekend as I watched, uh, you know, uh, Corey DeAngelis, who's really good on, on this issue. As I saw him talking about it, um, and he gets Tulsi Gabbard involved, he gets other crowds, fun students, not systems. It's a great slogan. Don't get me wrong. But it's fund critical thinking, not systems. That is the actual solution. Take your money and put it into organizations or put it into new ways of educating that will focus in on critical thinking. Because more than ever, as we continue down the road of consumerism, as we continue down the road of less agrarian society, it is going to be critically important to be able to critically think, and that's not being taught. It really isn't. And unless we fix that problem, we're not fixing anything. We really aren't. Your final thoughts, though, Pat. Don't get lost. Remember who you are. No means no. And pray that Mrs. Pat doesn't give me the Rona. <laughs> right? Absolutely. And by the way, folks, I hope you understand what we're doing here. We, we're, we're talking through solutions. We're talking through ideas. We're talking through these things. doesn't mean that they're final. doesn't mean that we're right. It means that we're critically thinking. We are looking at it from the lens of, wait a second, is this solution the right solution for the right problem? Is this the right problem? Wrong solution. Is this the right solution for the time, but it doesn't deal with the right problem at the end of the day? That's what we're doing here. I hope you understand that this is an exercise in critical thinking. And that's where we're going to be going going forward with this show. It's less analysis of the news and more critical thinking through the news. Less politics, more critical thinking. And I hope you understand that. With that being said, please be smart, be safe, be kind. As always, Matthew 547. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 